Well, hey, today we are wrapping up a series that we are calling Let's Talk About It. How many of you would say, just by the raise of your hand or a little cheer, that this has been helpful for you uh, as you're leading your family and communicating with your friends and just sorting out, even in your own heart, uh, what you believe and where you stand on some of these things in regards to what God's Word says? Well, today we're going to be talking about mental health, and uh, we brought a friend to talk to you today. My friend, Peter Pignon, is going to be coming up here. Come on up, Peter. Come on up. Would you guys give him a huge hand? Man, when I first met you, Peter, um, I remember you were working with the district and you were serving pastors and it was awesome. Uh, you were helping people out and, um, but you've transitioned and you've moved to a space where you're not just impacting individuals, but you're impacting entire communities and resourcing them so that they can serve the people that God's called to them in the area of mental health. And man, I'm so proud of you as a friend. It's been so cool to kind of from a distance watch you make this gigantic, gigantic leap. And uh, man, I want you guys to know today that you are in for a special treat. Peter, you are just authentic. You're real. You're genuine. You're honest. You're truthful. And today I know that as you preach God's word to our people, you're going to bring just that. So man, give your heart, have fun today. Let's just do something real quick. Would you extend a hand this way? Let's pray for Peter, uh, that God would just use him in a really special way. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you would just bless the words that are going to come out of Peter's mouth today. God, I know that uh, you have preordained this moment. God, people are not here by accident today because I know your Holy Spirit wants to speak to them. And so we just ask that you would just freely do that in Jesus name. Amen. Give my friend one more huge hand. Have fun. I will. I'm so honored to be here. With that introduction, I'm like, man, I want to meet Peter. Who's that guy? That's, that's awesome. That, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm doing what I can. Uh, what a cool series. Thank you for decorating for me. I am Mexican. Uh, I don't know if you noticed yet, but um, let's talk about it. <laughs> That is the best impression I can do of the Chihuahua from Oliver and Company. So that's the, <laughs> chain me to the wall. That, that's, the, that's the best I can do for that. Uh, but is it, isn't God good that you go to a church where we can talk about things that are difficult to talk about? This is, we, we can't have these conversations everywhere, but this is amazing. And uh, I just, I'm so grateful for your pastors and for the team. I feel very loved. Uh, my wife feels loved. She's here with me today, Lindsay. I won't make her stand up, but she's, she's here, and I'm so glad that she gets to hang out with us too. Uh, I called Pastor Sean last night, and this is a lie. Uh, and I said, I said, bro, what should I wear tomorrow? This is still a lie. And he said, he, he said, well, you can wear whatever you want. He's like, but just, just know I'm wearing black pants and uh, a jean jacket. And I was like, okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. So that's why we're dressed the same. That, and that is a complete lie. That's a complete lie. Uh, so I just thought it'd be great to start off the message with some lies, uh, because the rest of it, the rest of it's going to be truth. The rest of it's going to be truth. And I'm, I'm so excited to, to share God's truth with you. Uh, it wasn't too long ago in 2015 that I found myself in my truck. It was a Dodge Ram 1500 extended cab with two car seats in the back. Gray. 
It was every Mexican's dream, or at least this Mexican's dream. And I was sitting there 15 minutes early for an appointment, a counseling appointment, not one that I was going to be the counselor. I'm a licensed professional counselor and a mental health coach, but I was not going to be doing the counseling. I was going in as a mere mortal. I was going to be just a man in a counseling session with another dude, a a Jesus-loving dude, so that was great. But I was very, very nervous. I got there early, and I saw people walking in, and uh, maybe you're thinking, like, how did you get to that point? How did you get to that point where you, a counselor, had to go and get counseling? And really, let's backtrack just a few weeks earlier. My wife and I were sitting in the back patio, or on the back patio, at the back patio, Somehow we were there and we had just finished the takedown. I know some of you that have had younger kids or if you have younger kids, you put your kids down. Ours don't stay down. So we have to take them down. So we had, we, we had just finished the takedown. We're out there. We're talking and I'm trying to be as honest as possible. And Lindsay leans over to me and says, um, Peter, when was the last time that you took your depression questionnaire? You know, she smiled and she left a pause there. And it's like my eyes just started scanning. And I'm like, uh, babe, I've, I've never taken that questionnaire. And she smiled again at me like she knew that. <laughs> like she knew I'd never taken it. Um, or maybe, maybe she just wasn't sure either. But it created an opportunity of awareness for me. And I said, you know what? I need to go. I'm going to go take that. So I ran inside, got my phone, took the depression questionnaire, and it said that I was depressed. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that I was, I was so busy helping other people that I hadn't realized that I was struggling with depression and anxiety myself. And it's interesting because there's there's times in our lives when we kind of have denial and we are avoiding what it is that's going on. But I, I wasn't intentionally saying, I need professional help and I'm not getting it. I didn't know how bad it was. And for the next few weeks, we had these conversations and it just became clear that I needed to get help. I had been serving as a professional counselor for years and I had never gotten counseling. But I always told myself that if I ever needed counseling, I would get it. And I really believed that when I said it. But now I'm there in my truck. And the rubber is meeting the road. And I was thinking about, like, this might be the end of my career. If somebody sees me in this same community going and getting counseling, then people will stop wanting to come see me after this. And I started thinking about, I'm like, I just had this vision because I'm very visual. I had this vision of, well, what, you know, what if somebody comes out of the office or there's, you know, this is, uh, there's other people here. Like, what could I say to them? Well, I'm just, I'm just going to counseling, but it's, it's proactive. I mean, nothing's wrong. I mean, I'm fine. I was already thinking about these fake conversations in my head and, and, you know, this, I'm seeing this counselor, but, but he's really more of a mentor. He's really more, and these are the things, oh, he's kind of like, more like a coach. Like, he's, he's coaching me because I'm a counselor too, and we're just going to talk counselory things. And uh, it's not like he's going to do therapy on me. 
But then I had to call myself on the silliness that was in my mind and say, you know what, that's, that's not true. I can't say that because I am committed to the truth. So I went in there and I fought off the panic attack and I sat there and I was nervous. And this man who loves Jesus and loved me, listened to me. I said, well, what do I do? And he said, you can just share whatever you want. And I just shared everything. I mean, detail, detail. I'm getting it all out there. And it's as if I'm mentally and emotionally just unloading everything on there. And, and he's not flinching. I'm, just, I'm saying this like, I'm going to say this of, of the depression, the abuse, the obsessions, the, the, all of the issues my whole life that I've ever had. I just let him have it all. And it was like he was a loving person that's just like holding my hair as I'm over the toilet just getting all of this out. Proverbially, I mean, I obviously don't have, not gifted in the hair department. But what I thought was going to be the end of my career saved my career. But not only that, it saved my life. It saved my marriage. And it it started since that time I've been going to counseling. And God has blessed me so much. I remember thinking, this is the, this is, wow, this is the best I've ever been. This is amazing. And then I would heal another level. And I would heal another level. And I kept on feeling like this was the best it's ever been. And the Lord would show me another level. But it all happened because of surrendering to God. And I want to give you, don't just believe this story here. Because, you, you know, I already told you a few lies at the beginning. But let's look at scripture. A lot of you know that my uh, favorite verse in the Bible is probably these. Uh, so I'll re- re- let's review that together. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. And it says this in verse 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Last verse. Here we go. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Let's pray and thank God for his word. Lord, we love you, and we need a word from you. We need to hear from you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity that you give me to share today. But most of all, Lord, I want my new friends and some of my longtime friends to be connected to you. I want them to know you in the way that I know you and even better. So bless this conversation today. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So you see there that, you know, we talk about transformation a lot and it is a buzzword. But before we can even get to transformation, Paul is saying that we should offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. It's this complete surrender. That's hard to do. And that is what is worship. 
That verse 1 says this is what worship is. And worship is an interesting thing. We did it just now, but you can do it in so many different ways. And what you are going to find is that worship is not optional. Worshiping God is optional, but worship is not optional. You are worshiping something. You've been worshiping your whole life. Some of you worship your spouse. Some of you worship your kids. Some of you worship your 2008 Dodge Ram 1500 with two car seats in the back. Now I have four car seats. Not really. We still only have two because my kids are older now. But we have four kids, um, and they're amazing. Some people worship the lake. Some people worship their job. Some people worship their bank account. But you're worshiping something. You don't have to get trained on how to worship. Your choice is whether you're going to worship God. Are you going to offer your body as a living sacrifice to God? And this is a nod to the, the earlier parts of Scripture in the Old Testament where it talks about offering a sacrifice. They sacrificed animals. And so in their mind, as the Roman church is listening to this, they're thinking, we were offering ourselves as a sacrifice, but, but a living sacrifice. We don't have to die. We just have to live our lives for God. Some of us are chasing the transformation, but we're not willing to do this prerequisite to be able to offer your body as a living sacrifice. This is that surrender that we all need. We have to be willing to do whatever it is that God asks us to do. It's in that connection and that relationship with Jesus that we're able to actually not conform, which verse 2 says that we don't want to conform to the pattern of this world, but we want to be renewed. We want to be renewing our minds, and that's what leads to that transformation. Confirmation is like uh, we're, we're getting close to the fall. So like we're, my, my wife's about to start baking and my kids just, they love baking cookies and I love eating cookies. As you can see, I'm gifted. It's, it's what, it's what I do. And if you have a cookie sheet and if you get a pumpkin shaped cookie cutter and you press that pumpkin shaped cookie cutter down on the cookie sheet, it goes from rectangle, big cookie sheet to pumpkin shaped cookie. That's confirmation. It means that, that, that the cookie is conforming to the pattern of the cookie cutter. So I don't have the power to take the cookie sheet and push the cookie cutter down, and all of a sudden it turns into a real pumpkin. This is not a Disney movie. It's like, poof, cookie, pumpkin. But when, when Paul here is, is contrasting confirmation to the patterns of this world, he's talking about a mold. Our world has a mold, and that's what this series is all about. Is it, is, it's contrasting the mold that this world has with God's complete transformation. The transformation with God is like, it's like we're cookies, and then... Jesus comes and we transform to a real pumpkin. Like that's, that is the amazing thing that God does is we come and we bring ourselves to him and we're not conforming to this world, but we're being transformed 
But the Bible says that it is by the renewing of our minds. And the best way to know that you have been transformed and that you're, you know how to renew your mind is when you can evaluate and figure out what God's will is. What is God's will for you? And you know this in the church, a lot of times we, we glamorize God's will like, you know, it's, like it's this big 10-year, 15-year, 25-year plan. But God doesn't always give that kind of will in the midst of transformation. Sometimes it's like, hey, my will is that you would love me. My will is that you would be a caring person and care for other people. That could be, that could be his will. He doesn't always give this elaborate, shiny plan. I don't know why. I think sometimes we wouldn't believe it. And we would mess it up. I would mess it up. I don't know about you, but I would mess it up if he would have told me that someday you're going to be talking at the grace place. I'd get nervous. I don't like public speaking inherently. I love sharing God's word and his truth. So it's like, okay, we'll compromise. Here we go. But if you're wondering if you have found out how to transform your life, then you have to look at, can you recognize God's will? Are you struggling? And so I didn't, have to, I didn't have to go and say, God, do you want me to get counseling? I knew that that was God's will. I knew that if I was surrendered to him, that I had to not only be the person that was called to care for people, but I had to let a caring person care for me. Yeah. That took humility. Okay? Because for some reason, my mind and brain didn't know that I had a master's degree in clinical psychology and counseling. I'm like, the, the information's there, and yet I still need to go through the process. And that's what I'm encouraging you with, is that you have a process. God is walking with you through your process. He's trying to help you Walk out this renewing of the mind, and you have to be careful because verse 3 says that we can think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And Paul uses this analogy. It's a sneaky analogy. He's like, you should think about yourself with sober judgment. Sober because at the time, not now, but at the time, people would actually abuse alcohol. And when they drank too much alcohol, they thought more highly of themselves. They thought they could do anything. Because some people with, on alcohol, they think more highly of themselves. Let me at them. I'll fight them all. Let's just go. This is like a cartoon. And some of you are like, well, I'm okay because I don't think more highly of myself. I think more lowly of myself. And so that's okay. But both of those are not sober judgment. It's true. It's true. Because if you, some other people abuse alcohol and they think more lowly than themselves, of themselves. Crying and sad and they think of every single mistake that they've ever had. Again, you don't know these things because people don't do that anymore. But in the Bible, they used to. And when the Bible talks about one extreme, it's implicitly talking about the other. And so we have to be careful. He's using the analogy. He's not accusing us 
of drinking alcohol, but he's saying that if you are transformed and if you know God's will, then you should be able to think of yourself with sober judgment. It's giving you this example of, of if you are moving towards transformation and you are, are dealing with your thoughts and dealing with your emotions, you will be able to see yourself appropriately by God's grace. Because it says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think. I mean, it's just, he's just going at it. I mean, I'm like, man, he's like showing a little bit of favoritism to the grace place. Like he's just name dropping right there. Go, Paul. It's your birthday. Probably not. So here's what I want you to do. I want to give you some practical tools now. Okay. Back in the day, I was counseling and trying to help people as much as I could. And I taught for four years at the collegiate level. And I had a blast. I loved teaching people. Intro to psychology was my favorite. And that's where I got inspired to eventually teach the world. So now God has given me the opportunity to teach people uh, all over the place through our website, mindsconnected.com. Um, and I'm going to show you a QR code here in a bit. And what this will do is it'll, it'll give you an opportunity to go on a deep dive with the tools that I'm going to fly over. I'm going to fly over right now. So I'm just, I'm just introducing you. It's like tools, friends, friends, tools. I'm just introducing you, okay? We're just, we're just getting acquainted with these. But um, my heart has been to give these tools to as many people as possible. Mental Health 101 is a free course, and this is designed for you to be able to take it as a family. You can take it with some friends. Uh, I've had people walk through it with their teenagers. I've had people walk through it um, with people from work. This is, this is it's a free resource, and you can access it here. Uh, I also have the QR code at the table in the back. If you want to meet me and talk more about it, we can do that. But I'm just, I'm just letting you know that this QR code will give you an opportunity to sign up for the course, and I can be your professor. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Or you can also access the handout. So you're like, I don't want to take a course. Just give me the charts. Yes, these are the charts, and, and I'll show you those. Okay? Good? Let's get practical. So there are three phases that your mind goes through. And as I was reading this passage in Romans, I saw that, that the word choice that Paul uses is renewing. He doesn't say that you just renew your mind once. Like, you know, I've been, I smell good today because I showered when I was seven. You know, it's not like I did it one time. You, sh I showered today. I would like to shower multiple times a day. I love, I love being clean. But this word is, is renewing, and so it means you, you should keep on going through that. So our model, the framework that we use, it follows that same idea of being able to continue to move your mind through a process. The first phase of this process is awareness. Awareness is so important, and you have to be aware because if you're not aware, then you're going to miss what the patterns of this world are. There are specific patterns of this world that you are prone to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he looks at your life and he's trying to see what is it that he could use to get you to believe it. Satan will always look for a fact that you could tag on a false conclusion that, that cooks up this beautiful 
hideous, terrible, false belief. I told you last time I was here that I have dyslexia. Fact. What I concluded as a kid, because I couldn't read, was that I was stupid. Okay? Because people would say, you stupid? Can't you read? And inside I'd say, no, I can't read. So, of course I can read, I would lie. But that's what Satan will do. And, And that was... That was the pattern of this world that I had to come at. I had to be able to recognize that you have to be aware of it. Same thing, I hadn't taken the depression questionnaire, so I did not know if I was depressed because I was just going through the motions, trying to help as many people as possible. It was noble. It was noble, kind of. Maybe, subconsciously, maybe I was avoiding my issues, but I don't know. Don't get in in my business. No, we're not that close yet. Just kidding. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> My computer just shut off, so we don't need it. Okay? Because we got screens on the side. Look at that. So here's what I want you to know. Is once your mind and brain facilitate awareness, you will move to phase two of evaluation. And you'll be able to to now think about what you were thinking about. Think about what you were feeling and aware of. Think about what you were doing or not doing. Think about your relationships. It's powerful. Because again, you have to be aware. Your mind is like the software. Your brain is like the hardware. We use, if you want to know how big your brain is, you can take your hands out, everybody. Take your hands out. Wiggle your fingers. You guys are just obedient. You don't need to wiggle your fingers, but that's just great. Good job. Okay, now put your thumbs in your palm. Fold your fingers over. Now this is real. Now I'm being serious. Now see, you don't know how to trust me. It's okay. All right, then put your hands together. This is the size of your brain if there's not blood flowing. It gets bigger as it pulsates with blood. But this is the size of your brain. So the brain is like the hardware. Like you and I could have the same exact phone. Okay? The same exact phone, hardware, but our, 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 the way that our apps are in our phone could be very different. That's like the mind. Like when my wife lends me her phone, I'm, I'm like completely neat freak on my phone. All my apps have to be in the right place. I have folders and there's sections for everything. And when my wife hands me her phone, It's a library. They're all there. They're just, all the apps are there. Is the app here? Yes. Spotify, Outlook, Facebook, all those books. They're all there. And you can have the same hardware, but the software can be very different. And that's what, we're, we're different. We have the same brain, but our mind is what makes it different. But the Holy Spirit, that is like the internet. I mean, now you know. This is a real analogy. I don't know if you know this, but, but down in Waxahachie, where I'm from, if we don't have internet, all these devices that cost hundreds of dollars, we can't even watch TV. I mean, my kids, they freak out. They can't do anything. We can't work. We can't play. It's like going hungry. It's like a famine. But the Holy Spirit is that. We have to connect to the Holy Spirit 
That's why Romans 12, 1 talks about we have to connect to God through worship. So remember that. Once you are aware of something and you start to evaluate it, then you start to evaluate what should I do about it. God has designed us that way. As you're aware of your thoughts or emotions or the relationships, those dynamics, then you'll start to say, what should I do about it? Because even, even if you ever sit down with somebody and you're talking with them, you can only talk, if you let somebody cycle for a little bit, they can only talk about it for so long before they're going to say, well, what do you think I should do? Or if they don't ask that, then you're going to at least want to be like, well, what do you, you know, what do you think we should do about it? And that's the same way that your mind is, is it goes to the last phase of management. And if you want a more biblical word, we could use the word stewardship. You're stewarding your thoughts, emotions, behaviors, and your relationships. You're stewarding those things. You can't control them. Sometimes thoughts will pop up in your mind that you did not want to. But it's your responsibility to manage them. And this is that cycle. This is that cycle. Once you start doing something, then you can become more aware of it and you start to evaluate it. And so I want to give you tools to facilitate this process. All right? The first one is called scaling. And scaling is when you take something and you say, okay, well, if zero means this and 10 means this, where are you right now? Some of you have gone to the doctor before and they use the pain scale. How bad is the pain? Because they want you to increase your awareness. You're already experiencing the pain. And it seems like a silly question. But they need you to become aware of it and so that you can evaluate. And so sometimes people are like, oh, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. Okay, if zero is the worst the pain has ever been and 10 is, is the best, where's your pain right now? You know, three. Hmm, it's not that bad. Because before, because you're experiencing it. And so it's the most pain you're feeling at that moment. But it's not really the most pain that you've ever felt. Like if you've ever had a kidney stone or a baby. There's worse pain. Okay? There's worse pain. It's not all the same. So for you, I want to give you Paul's scale. And this is... If zero represents being conformed to this world, and 10 represents being transformed by the renewing of your mind, where are you on that journey? Where are you in that process? And this is the beauty of the mind. I'm not making you be somewhere on this scale. You were already there. You were experiencing that. But now I'm giving you way to become aware of it and evaluate it express it. We're going to awkwardly pause so that you can just think about that. Where are you today on that process? And wherever you are today, what would one point of progress look like? What, what conformation? What's one of those lies, just like I threw out dyslexia and I'm stupid? I don't believe that anymore. As I've been renewing my mind, I was able to say that, okay, I do have dyslexia, true, but I have a special intelligence. I'm not saying that I'm the smartest guy in the room right now. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I have a special intelligence. 
Because I was able to think up these charts and then show them to Lindsay so that she could make them pretty. Prettier. And, and I can show you what was in my brain now. So when you can express what you were aware of, that allows you to be vulnerable with yourself, to be vulnerable with God, to be vulnerable with somebody else. Some of you might need to have a conversation this week with somebody in your life that you trust and tell them where you feel like you are on this scale. Now you need tool two. Tool two is validation. And this is a gift for the body of Christ. We need to practice using this tool. Validation is about expressing understanding. Expressing understanding. We're talking about a lot of hot topics during this series. And what's hard is that is that in the church we've gotten confused and we have thought that we can't express understanding of somebody's position without agreeing with it. But validation is just saying, I get how you would think that. I get how you would think that. And you can, you can express understanding at any of these levels of the situation and the experience, the thoughts and beliefs, the emotions, the physical feelings and the behaviors. There's different ways. So when you are connected to somebody and they take the risk of being vulnerable with you, because think about it right now. If I said, okay, I have this microphone and I would like all of you to come up here and tell me what number you were at from confirmation to transformation. We're just going to take some time and everybody's going to announce it to everyone. Some of you would be like, I'm down. Let's go. I'm an open book. And others of you are like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not even sure. I had more of like a range. Like I was like a somewhere between an eight and a two. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. This, this, is, this is the grace place. This is the space for you. Because we're walking that journey. But that's what vulnerability is. And when somebody is vulnerable with you, you don't have the option of saying nothing with yourself in the relationship. You can either validate them or invalidate them. So like if you came up to me and you said, Peter, I'm just, I'm struggling. And I'm at a three out of 10 right now. And I'm like, hmm, what do you think the nachos taste like? You see what I did there? I'm going to nachos, and we, they just were vulnerable with me. You can't say nothing with yourself. The relationship, when somebody's vulnerable, you need to validate. But again, it's just expressing understanding. And you're like, Peter, well, what if I can't understand it? Well, then you can ask questions. Until you can understand. Until you can say, okay, uh, I can at least understand the emotion. You find something on this list. Some, at some level, with every situation, when someone's being vulnerable with you, you should be able to find a way to validate and to say, okay, I've never gone through that, but I felt angry yeah. at a seven. And so I can relate to the anger that you're feeling. I got that. And that allows you to connect. Here's the crazy thing, though, is that internally, in your own mind. Sometimes you are vulnerable with yourself 
and you invalidate yourself. Whoa. Because we're called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So some of you are better at validating others, and some of you are better at validating yourself. But God's heart is for us to be able to validate ourselves and other people. And that's what leads to avoidance and denial is when we are vulnerable with ourselves in our own minds and we invalidate, oh, no, 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 I'm crazy. I don't need help. I don't need counseling. I am a counselor. And that's probably what was happening. I can't prove it yet, but, but I know that I was not validating myself. I was not saying that I could get care too. So here's what I'm saying is that from you to other people, when people are vulnerable, practice validation. You'd have so many less arguments, even with your kids. I mean, I've wanted to be like, you know, you have no reason to be mad. That's what I want to say. But then I'm like, okay, I get why you're upset. I understand you really like transformer toys. I get that. But kids can feel unloved just when you don't buy them a toy. And you can validate that, but you can also, you don't have to validate anything that's invalid. So you can, you can address that. And that's what you're like, well, how do I know when to do that? Okay, so we're using scaling. That helps us be vulnerable and increase our awareness and evaluation ability. Then we validate so that's making sure we're connected and moving through the cycle. And then we roll up our sleeves and we use another tool called thought challenging. Thought challenging. So thought challenging is when we use statements or questions, right? We're using statements or questions. And when we do this, we're able to take a belief that you have. Maybe it's a pattern that you struggle and that you conform to sometimes And you can challenge it with questions. You can say, is that true? Is that helpful? Is that important? Is it necessary? Is it kind? This is just a memory aid that we have. When in doubt, you can just do that. When that happens, you can get stuck in that cycle. And when you start asking yourself questions, it helps you actually engage in deeper levels of evaluation. And we keep it basic at the beginning with yes or no questions. Because if the answer is that it's not true, then you can use, that's the question, then you can use a statement that says, that's not true. And think about, like, if I had that thought of, like, I have dyslexia, so that means I'm stupid. But if I can go, I have dyslexia, and that means I'm stupid, is that true? No, that's not true. That's not helpful. That's not important. That's not necessary. That's not kind. Can you feel how that makes you feel like locker room? Cowboys about to come out and beat whichever team is in their way. Like it gets you hype. You're like, that's not true. That's not helpful. That's not important. That's not necessary. That's not kind. It gets you amped up. When you find a pattern that you consistently conform to, I want to encourage you. Ask yourself these kinds of questions. And if you have already validated in relationship, because again, validation is about expressing understanding. That doesn't mean that you can't address lies. You can use questions in your relationship with your spouse and your friends and your family and your kids. 
And you can even ask them to ask you those questions. Hey, here's a list. Ask me these questions. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that I'm not good enough. I'm thinking that I'm a failure. I'm thinking that, that the whole world is going to end. I'm having panic about the panic that I'm feeling. And when you can start to slow down and engage the system, you start to renew your mind. That's that process of being able to say, whoa, 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 what's God's will here? And God's will can get that specific, even to the point of of what thoughts you should allow in your mind. Because again, you cannot choose the thoughts that pop up in your mind, but you can choose whether you challenge them or not and whether you let them stay there. So the last tool is thought refocusing. So you can challenge it with the yes or no questions and those statements, but then you can refocus your thoughts. You don't have to stay there. Thought refocusing opens it up with open-ended questions. So you can say, okay, I have dyslexia and I'm stupid. That's not true. Okay, then we pop over there and go, well, what is true? Can you feel the difference? What is true? And this might go really broad, like, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Like, you can, you can zoom out and, and go, what, all the things that are true, God loves me, my family loves me, and you can, you can look at all of those things and then get to the point where, okay, now specifically, as it pertains to dyslexia, okay, I have special intelligence. That's what I want there to be, okay? This is what's true. Well, what is helpful? It might not be helpful for me to be thinking, I have dyslexia. I'm going to take this test. I have dyslexia. I have dyslexia. I have dyslexia. I have dyslexia. It might not be helpful. It might not be important for me to think in that moment. It might not be necessary. It might not be kind. I mean, think about if, if you have a child with dyslexia and you say, look, I know you're taking that test today. Remember, you have dyslexia. That's not helpful, but it's true. And so in the church world, we've gotten hung up on true. It's true. Honey, before you leave, I want you to remember what you did to me 10 years ago. It was true. And you better not do that again. And if you do, I will find out. It's like, whoa. It true. Then is it helpful? Is it important? Is it necessary? Is it kind? I've taught this to the kids, and so they, they use it now. They're like, they're like, well, it's true. It's true. And then they'll tell each other, yeah, but it's not helpful. <laughs> it's a proud moment in a nerd's life. They're like, This is my brain, and you're flipping my lid. (laughs) And you're like, Peter, but the think model is not in the Bible. Well, let me give you this one. This is this is same same idea. Philippians four, four through eight, great passage. You should hang out with it later on. But you can do the same thing. Is it true? Is it right? Is it lovely? Is it excellent? Is it noble? Is it pure? Is it admirable? Is it praiseworthy? Or you can broaden it out to the open-ended question. So the cl- remember, close-ended at the beginning. If the answer is no, then you open up the question. 
to what it is. And you want to look at Paul here starts with true. So that's why my think model. But if you are talking to somebody at work that doesn't know Jesus, you can use the think model too. You can show them that. That's, that's the idea with our resources, is we want to give you connection points with your friends and family members and coworkers. Because mental health, I think, is one of the greatest ways to build deep relationships without having to give all of the Bible verses that this stuff comes from. I'm not saying you should be ashamed of it. I'm just saying don't shut down the conversation with saying right away. You know what? You think a lot of lies. You seem like you're conformed to the patterns of this world like a pumpkin. They're like, thank you. What church do you go to? Give them another name of another church, okay? If that's what you're doing. But I want to resource you to be able to have deep conversations without Jesus juking people. Mental health can be that for you. That's what it is for me. I work with people who don't know Jesus. I'm fine with that. Because we're pursuing truth together. And I'm praying for them. I'm interceding for them. So as you, as you heard, I have been in counseling since 2015. And I don't know if you know, but 2020 was a hard year for some people. And it was bad for me. It, was, it became, I'd had bad years before, but 2020 became the worst year of my life. Really, really hard. I mean, there was a moment where I looked at Lindsay and I said, I don't know if you're going to have to go check me into a mental hospital. It was really, really bad. The obsessions, the trauma, things were coming back out. And I'm talking to my counselor and I'm doing everything that I need to do. And it was hard. And 2021 was coming and I'm like, come on, Lord. 2021 has to be better than this. It cannot get any worse. And 2021 rolls around and Places start opening up and people are celebrating that the pandemic is over and COVID's dead and doing all kinds of things like that. And I find out that my dad tests positive for COVID. And I want to be a man of faith, so I'm like, it's okay. It's fine. We're gonna, we're, he's going to quarantine with my mom. We're going to be good. Take them some stuff. He gets through his 14-day period. He gets cleared to go to work. He goes to work and he is getting sick. So they take him to the hospital. He gets checked in. They said, you know what? Not going to be a big deal. You'll probably get released in a few hours. Turns into, we're going to keep you overnight to watch you. Turns into, we're going to have, we'll keep you a few days. So then now he's in there for two weeks. Then his lungs collapse. His kidneys start failing, and then on April 4th, 2021, he passes. I knew that I was not strong enough to handle this. My dad, I mean, we could hang out and I could tell you all kinds of stories about the hero that he was to me on earth and the hero that he still is in heaven. But I was not ready for that. I did not think that it could get worse. People all over the place were praying for my dad. He was a pastor. He loved Jesus. He loved God's word. He loved his grandkids. 
and, and getting, it was so hard because my dad was not healed by God. That was the fact. But I didn't know what belief to put on the other side of that fact. And so I could feel myself wanting to conform to the pattern of this world of like, God can't love me. My dad didn't deserve this. I can't believe that this is happening to my dad. He gave his life for the gospel and for people. And how could God let this happen? The biggest thing about going through a hard season like this and using these tools is that you have to continue to give your mind and heart to God. Is I was not isolating and going through all these thoughts and emotions by myself. I was following David, King David's example from scripture of taking all those things to God. Just saying, God, I don't understand. Here are my questions. I'm not questioning God. I knew he was real. And I knew he could heal because he'd done it before. But for some reason, he chose not to heal my dad. And I had to be able to say that God did not heal my dad, but he is still good. He's still good. He's still good. He's still on his throne. And I can say that I believe that 100% right now. That God is still good but it was hard. I really had to lean into these tools. I use these tools every day. And I would say, Lord, is it true? I would look at myself in the mirror and I would tell myself, Peter, transformation is possible. You can, you because I zeroed out. I zeroed out and I was trying to climb my way back to a functional place. And I would just tell myself, transformation is possible. Lord, help me to believe that. Help me to believe that you can still use me. That you can still do something with my life. I want to live. I want to be there for my wife and my kids. And I want to keep helping people. But I'm hurting. The greatest pain that I've ever felt. And I've been walking on that journey. And I want you to know that I'm at a higher place on the transformation scale today. But I'm also not going to lie to you and say that I'm at a 10 right now. I'm still every day fighting these patterns of the world that can show up. I mean, I was driving on my way over here, and and one of the songs that I was listening to was like, God, you never fail. And I'm like, yeah, there was one time. That's what happens in my mind. That thought pops up. You never lost a battle. You never lost a battle. And I'm just like, I think there's one. I think there's one battle. That's, that's, what my, that's what the raw content of my mind and heart is. But to be able to say, ultimately, in God's sovereignty and in light of eternity, he has not lost a battle. My dad may have lost the battle with COVID, but the ultimate battle of salvation against sin and death. And my dad, one of the conversations we had on the phone, he said, Peter, I can tell you this. I said, how are you doing? He's like, I can tell you this. It's a lot easier to preach, to live as Christ and to die as gain than it is to hold on to that in this hospital bed when they won't let anybody come in here and see me. I said, dad, I get that. And he said, 
I said, do you still believe it? He said, 100%. He said, all right, let's go. We're going we're gonna to keep praying. We're going to keep believing in God. And I, and I know that I'm able to continue every day because God has consistently been my heavenly father. And so it's like I have the Heavenly Father, who is the capital H, Heavenly Father, and then I have my Heavenly Father that is the lowercase Heavenly Father, my dad. And it really does bring me joy. Even this morning, I, I, just, I got up and I was like, Lord, please tell Dad that I love him. Please tell him that I miss him. And I know that I need to talk about him today. And so I just pray, Lord, that you give me strength to say what I need to say, and that you would encourage the people that no matter what, no matter what their facts are, that they would have truth tied to those facts. Can I pray with you today? Would you stand? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. Thank you, God. You are our Savior, but you are also our friend. God, you have moved in us. Lord, thank you that you don't let our minds have to stop at the facts. But you give us truth in the midst of those facts. You are good. You are a provider. You are a protector. God, I don't know what facts my friends are facing right now. But Lord, I pray that your truth would be loud and clear to them. That they would be able to renew their minds and stay far away from the patterns of this world. That they wouldn't think more highly of themselves or more lowly of themselves. But they'd be able to walk out their transformation process for your honor and your glory 